Oral questions by members. Now, Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. That was anticipatory on your part. Um, for months, the opposition has raised concerns about prolific offenders who commit serious crimes and yet are not charged, or who are immediately released and allowed to reoffend while waiting for, the pro waiting for the province to approve charges. While the Attorney General has dismissed our concerns, the results are felt in every community across British Columbia. There are increased random attacks, rampant theft, and violent assault. The attorney received a letter on April the 5th from 13 urban mayors in the province, and it contains very specific and detailed offense data detailing the attorney's catch and release policies. The letter reads in part, and I quote, serious repeat offenders posing ongoing risk to public safety are walking freely in our communities while awaiting charge approvals, end quote. When will the Attorney General end the revolving door and prioritize safety in our communities? Attorney General. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honourable Speaker. Uh, obviously, I'm familiar with the letter the member refers to. She leaves out some key details. Um, I met with the Urban Mayor's Council on uh, December 17th. They raised uh, issues uh, similar to those raised by the opposition sometime after. And I said to them, uh, thank you for bringing this information to our attention. Can you provide additional details about what's happening in your communities? So they wrote back to me, we value the opportunity to connect for ongoing dialogue and look forward to the next opportunity. We met again on April 8th. And it says at, min at, min at the Attorney General's request, we are providing criminal offence data uh, from our cities. So I asked the mayors, uh, we've been engaging in dialogue since December on this issue. I'm working with them on a response. And I just want to provide a little bit of context for the member's question. I think any time that someone is a victim of crime, whether it's property crime or violent crime, it's a really serious and profound impact on them and their feelings of safety. But it's also important as legislators that we look at provincial trends. 2020 was the lowest level of property offences provincially based on population since at least 2011 and the lowest overall number of offences since 2013. So I, I don't dispute that the pandemic has dramatically changed crime patterns, that we see this concentrated in downtown areas where people have not been and it's moved away from residential areas apparently because we're seeing a very low number of offences. But the issues are more complicated than the member represents and we need to do the work to identify what is happening and to respond accordingly. Leader of the Official Opposition, supplemental. Well, thank you very much. And we should talk about what details were left out of the attorney's answer when I raised the issue of this letter. Because he can conveniently dismiss the concerns that people have across British Columbia, but he knows full well that across this province, every single day, there are acts of violence, there is theft. Communities are concerned. And in fact, the attorney dismissed our questions last month, and I, I will quote him. The allegations the member is making, the anecdotes that he is delivering are not backed up by the st statistics, end quote. Well, apparently all the attorney had to do was actually read the letter from 13 mayors across British Columbia, and he would have a whole raft of statistics. Let's look at, at the details under this attorney's watch. 
The time it takes for the province to review police files since 2017 has increased by 118%. The number of charge assessments that, uh, that, that are looked at has increased by 75%. No charge assessments has increased by 75%. And since 2017, the number of accused approved to go to court has dropped by 26%. Not my words, not my statistics. The concerns of 13 mayors across British Columbia written to this attorney. In Prince George, one individual has generated 262 police files in just the past 12 months. None of the files, not one, has resulted in a charge. So when will the Attorney General look at the statistics under his watch, do his job, and actually take some action to deal with prolific offenders. Attorney General. Uh, I thank the member for the question. I, she insists repeatedly, despite uh, my extensive answers on this question, that I dismiss this as not a serious issue. That is completely incorrect. She knows it's incorrect, uh, and, uh, and I can assure her, every member of the opposition, the members of the public watching, the Minister of Public Safety and I are working with these mayors. We'll have more details in the weeks to come to address this issue. But the member also knows that a lot of these offenses are driven by people with serious mental health and addiction issues. Uh, and uh, there's a very close relationship between prolific property crime and these kinds of uh, serious health problems. And that's why the complex care initiative that we are rolling out across the province is going to make a huge difference for public safety in a number of communities. But that is not the full response. We need to get to the bottom of what is happening here. And, and I'll provide some more uh, statistics for the member about the complexity of what is happening. So in, uh, in 2011 and 2012, uh, violent crime incidents were cleared by police at a rate of 55%, which means that there were recommendations to Crown for charges. In 2020, that number had dropped quite steadily uh, over the years to the point where it's 43% of charges being cleared by police. So obviously something is happening that, uh, in relation to police recommending charges to Crown Council. I agree with the member that we can look at what Crown Council is doing and make sure it's responsive to the needs of the public. But I do need to underline the complexity of what we've seen over the pandemic and the fact that the member is raising these important issues in a context of overall crime rates in property crime that the lowest they've been since at least 2011. So I don't disagree that we can do more to drive that even lower, and I think we should. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Member for Vancouver, Langara. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker, and uh, I think all members of the House acknowledge and hear from all our constituents that members and British Columbians are feeling very concerned about feeling safe on our streets and in our neighbourhoods. The statistics that the Attorney General requested from the 13 urban mayors, he has to respect. They chose to provide this to the Attorney General, and they clearly demonstrate that things are only getting worse under the five years that this Attorney General has been doing his role. These are statistics from the 13 urban mayors who represent more than 55% of BC's population. Last month, 
The Attorney General mocked our questions, saying, quote, I'm not surprised he has a problem with facts, end quote. Well, here are the facts about this Attorney General's record since 2017. All is set out in the April 5th letter from these urban mayors. The average number of days to conclude a file has gone from 85 to 185 days. The rate of no charge assessments was 21%. Today, in 2017, it was 12%. The cases approved to go to court has decreased from almost 64,000 to only 47,000. Prolific offenders are being allowed to walk free to reoffend and commit increasingly brazen and violent crimes. Why is the Attorney General enabling this catch and release cycle to undermine public confidence in our justice system? Attorney General. Uh, thank you, Honourable Chair. Um, so the member uh, uh, comes to this place from Vancouver. Um, property crime in Vancouver and overall crime rates are at their lowest level in Vancouver since 2002 in both the total numbers of crimes and as a crime rate per 1,000 members of the population. Now, I know that what crime has been taking place has been very concentrated and very visible, but particularly in the downtown areas and very concerning to merchants. I know in the Chinatown area, in downtown Vancouver, and these are serious issues, but there has been a shift during the pandemic about how and where crime takes place. And there has been an increase in violent crime. Now, I'll say the statistics are less helpful than they could be in the sense that Statistics Canada changed their measurement uh, uh, criteria between 2018 and 2019, but I don't think anyone disputes that in Vancouver we've seen an increase in random uh, violent attacks. Both the Solicitor General and I have been working with the Vancouver Police Department to identify these two categories of offenders, serious prolific property offenders and people engaging in these random violent attacks to find out how the province can be more supportive of the efforts in Vancouver to address these issues. The Solicitor General also addressed issues with Vancouver Police Budget to make sure they have the resources they need to deal with this. And I'll remind the member, I know he knows because he's a lawyer, that we have had significant changes in the law related to administration of justice offences uh, uh, over this time period that I've been Attorney General. It came from the Supreme Court of Canada in Bill C-75 out of the federal government, which changes Crown's approval processes around administration of justice offences. It's the law of Canada, and the Crown is bound to adhere to that. Vancouver Langara Supplemental. Mr. Speaker, this Attorney General has been hearing from these 13 urban mayors since December by his own reports. He's in these discussions, he's having these consultations, and yet he's failing to act. These 13 urban mayors represent communities including Vancouver, Surrey, Burnaby, Richmond, Coquitlam, Abbotsford, New Westminster, Kelowna, Kamloops, Prince George, Victoria, the District of Saanich, and Nanaimo. The Attorney General can deflect all he wants, but that's not going to give answers to these 13 urban mayors. They have set out a roadmap of solutions that this Attorney General needs to take action on. The Attorney General's failed policies are eroding confidence in the administration of our justice system. He has failed in his primary duty. This is what the mayors of 13 urban cities across BC wrote in their April 5th letter, quote, Prolific offenders are eroding the sense of public safety and trust in the justice system. 
by residents in all our communities, end quote. There is no accountability or meaningful consequences for random attacks, random assaults, rampant shoplifting, and violence. Why won't the Attorney General act now to get violent criminals off our streets and keep, keep people safe in our communities? Attorney General. Uh, thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. So the member knows, I know he knows because he repeated it back, that we met with the urban mayors. We heard from them their concerns. We asked them for additional detail and information about what was happening in their communities, and now we're working with them on solutions. I'm trying to imagine a better way to address any provincial issue. Um, so I uh, welcome his suggestions as part of this process as we move forward, but to categorize that as failing to take action when actually the reason he has a letter in his hands is because I asked for it. Leader of the third party. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Yesterday, Brishti Bashu from Capital Daily broke the news that Greater Victoria hospitals are so overrun they are considering renting hotel rooms for patients. An internal memo from Island Health outlines that hospitalizations, hospitals are facing an extreme over-census situation. And Dr. Jeff Unger says, I've never seen it this bad in 22 years I've been working in Victoria. And he said that two weeks ago. It's gotten worse. People on Vancouver Island are already dealing with a severe family doctor shortage. They can't get into a walk-in clinic. And now we learn that hospitals are so full that Island Health is preparing to rent hotel rooms. My question for you, Honourable Speaker, is to the Minister of Health. Can the Minister assure people on Vancouver Island and across BC that they won't be turned away when they need health care? Minister of Health. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and thanks to the member for a question. Uh, at no time would any patient requiring acute care be sent to a hotel room, period. The memo that the member refers to was a memo to rehab coordinators who are in charge of discharge. We do, from time to time, support people who are ready for discharge, but there are very challenges in either their homes or other circumstances that make it challenging for them to be discharged. So what was, the memo was saying was, if there are people ready to be discharged, let's take every means to support them in that discharge. That's what the purpose of the memo is for. It wouldn't make any sense to take acute care patients to put them in hotel rooms. That's not what we've done. That's not what we're doing. And while it is an extremely challenging time in healthcare, given uh, the uh, pandemic, given the overdose public health emergency, our hospitals on Vancouver Island continue to be ready to serve patients who need care. Leader of the third party, supplemental. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. This is fundamentally a transparency issue. In her article, Brishti Bashu wrote, quote, since the province stopped sharing daily COVID-19 hospitalization data and pulled back on how much information they share, it is impossible to figure out how the virus is affecting hospitalizations in real time. And so we find out from the press, not from the government. My question, Honorable Speaker, again is to the Minister of Health. Does the minister believe that the public should be informed by government rather than by memos and the press about the state of our hospitals and the burden that COVID-19 continues to have on our health care system? Minister of Health. Thank you, and uh, Honourable Speaker, and the answer is yes, and the answer is yes, we do. 
on a regular on a regular basis, including detailed information, not just about COVID-19 in our hospital, but the state of hospital capacity in every part of BC, which I've been reporting on, including to the honourable member for more than two years. But yes, transparency is important, and transparency is important to this extent. To say, when you're describing a situation in a memorandum, to say an important sentence, please let your coordinator know if you have any patients requiring extraordinary measures to facilitate discharges from hospitals and then listing the measures that include potentially providing a hotel room if they're not able to go home under appropriate circumstances. This is something that occurs on a regular basis to support discharges. And, and so the member's initial assertions in her question are not correct. It is important to have transparency. It is very important to have transparency and to provide a proper assessment of the circumstances in our public health care system today. These measures, of dealing with capacity in our healthcare system, we've been taking them for two years. Members will recall in the third week in March of 2020, the decision, very difficult decision at that time, to cancel non-urgent uh, non scheduled surgeries. That was indeed to ensure that there was space in our hospitals so that people could come and get the care they need. That is what's happening then. That is what continues to happen. And what's happening in association with that on that issue of surgery and on surgical renewal is the expansion of our surgical capacity to make up these, these delays as quickly as we possibly can. Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. I feel like the Attorney General is, has sort of missed the point of our questions. The Mayor's letter shows how a single prolific offender can have hundreds of police files, yet time after time is released back into the community. Page two actually describes how one offender in Kelowna has generated 346 RCMP files and received 29 convictions for theft and assault, but is routinely released with conditions, but subsequently re-offends. In my community, 15 prolific offenders are responsible for, get this, over a thousand negative police contacts just in one year alone. Kelowna has stepped up by increasing the police budget by 84%, but the Attorney General is still missing in action. When will the Attorney General do his job to protect the administration of justice and keep our communities safe? Attorney General. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, so when somebody goes to court, the member talks about 29 separate charges. The decision about whether or not that person goes to jail is made by a judge who is independent of government, independent of me as attorney general. I know the member knows that. That doesn't take away from the challenge that she illustrates or suggests that the province or the government doesn't have any opportunity to address this serious issue. That's why we're working with the mayors on this issue. That's why we have complex care to address the mental health and addiction issues that drive some people to be involved again and again in the justice system in a rotating door system. And so uh, I believe that there are other opportunities for us to address these issues, but it's not going to change the state of the federal law. It's not going to be able to force judges to send people to jail. They're not going to do that. Then the next uh, steps for us as a province within our jurisdictional authorities is to work with the municipalities to identify those opportunities. And, uh, and I know this isn't a unique issue. 
I know when the opposition was on this side of the House that they had uh, a pilot project on, on chronic offenders as well. And so this is an issue that as a province we need to address. And I look forward to working with the cities and frankly, uh, any suggestions from the opposition about, uh, about moving forward. I, I assure the member that we'll have more to say about this in the weeks to come. Member for Abbotsford South. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. In the April 5th letter from the mayors provides example after example after example. In my community of Abbotsford, people no longer feel safe. And here's a prime example as why. There was a criminal with outstanding warrants was recently arrested for the second time within weeks. He has been charged with serious crimes, including theft of a motor vehicle, robbery, assault, assault with weapons, resist and obstruction of a police officer. Despite three prior convictions for breach of probation, he was issued a release order, which he breached the very same day. How many times does a prolific offender need to be arrested for breaching conditions before people lose faith in the justice system and they lose faith, faith in this government and in particular this Attorney General? Attorney General. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Uh, the courts apply a federal law, uh, Bill C-75, which dramatically changed the approach to administrative offenses, which is breach of conditions. Uh, and there was also a Supreme Court of Canada decision, which the courts also apply, called Zora. And so we're working within that federal framework. And the member intentionally conflates those things with what the province can do. But that doesn't mean the province doesn't have responsibility or opportunity here to address these issues. The Crown will bring the cases forward to court. And they will apply the federal law. But when we're talking about the decision to release somebody back to the community by a judge, that decision is taken by the judge. And uh, I, I'm not sure um, what else I can tell the member about that. It's obviously a disturbing case. And we have a huge opportunity, I think, in terms of prolific offenders to drive property crime numbers down. And I think complex care and addressing uh, mental health and addiction needs of some folks is really gonna help that. And uh, for others, we'll continue working with police and Crown as we have been. Um, uh, since the mayor's raised this issue uh, with us. Member for Prince George McKenzie. Oh, thank you, Speaker. You know, this, uh, the revolving door of justice, the prolific offenders, has been getting progressively worse every year, particularly since this government took office five years ago. We see the statistical data going up all the time, and the, the, the attorney relies upon uh, Bill C-75, he relies upon the limitations that are placed upon them by legislation and by the court decisions, but that has always existed since we've had courts in this great country of ours. And attorney generals across Canada have always adjusted how prosecutors do their job, how police do their job, in order to comply with the changes to the legislation to the, uh, uh, and that the courts lay out. Three weeks ago in Prince George, a prolific offender in a stolen vehicle rammed a police vehicle while trying to avoid arrest. The time he was wanted on an outstanding warrant had been arrested and released numerous times over the past two years. Each time, 
the offender failed to attend court or comply with release conditions, including being prohibited to possess firearms, ignored the court orders, bringing the administration of justice into disrepute. At the time of this most recent arrest, he was in possession of body armor, a prohibited high-caliber rifle with a high-capacity magazine loaded and ready to fire. He resisted arrest with police. Will the attorney act now to protect the public and the police from prolific offenders and restore faith in our justice system? General. I thank the member for the question. And, and the member says that I rely on the law and court decisions. That's my job as attorney general to do those things. Um, and uh, it's not an excuse. I think the province has an opportunity here to assist in addressing these issues. But it is a fact and a factor in the challenge that we face here. I agree with the member that attorneys general need to work within that framework and be creative within that framework, which is why we're working with the Minister for Public Safety, with the mayors, on exactly this issue. I disagree with the member that the statistics show that things are getting worse and worse. In fact, in the most recent year we have data for, the overall number of offenses is at the lowest level uh, uh, it has been in Vancouver in the last decade, uh, in the province for property crimes since 2011. But there are issues. I don't pretend there aren't issues. But to misrepresent what's happening in community at a provincial level is not correct. Finally, I know the member is aware that when we formed government, we increased authorities under the Civil Forfeiture Act that enables the province to seize property, to make uh, uh, presumptions when there's a firearm in a vehicle, when there's body armor in a vehicle, to seize that vehicle, to seize that property, which were not authorities that police had when the opposition was on this side of the House. So within provincial authorities, we are uh, acting creatively to address these issues, and we will continue to work with the mayors to do those things. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, this Attorney General continues to say we are working on things, we're in conversations, we're discussing, but this government needs to take it from that place to actually implementation and taking actions. Um, to go back to the basics. People are scared in their own communities. They're scared of going out in the evenings. They don't know what's going to happen. They're, they're scared, and that is what the reality is in British Columbia. Communities across this province are experiencing more violent and random assaults. Here in Victoria, there were four random assaults last Tuesday, including a man who struck a member, a staff member of a restaurant with a metal object, and that was just one block away from this legislature. And yet prolific offenders do not face consequences. One such offender in Victoria generated 55 charges that were submitted to the prosecution service. Of those charges, only 22 convictions were received, 23 were stayed, and eight of those charges were not approved. These were for serious charges, including assault. So why is the, why is the Attorney General letting these offenders be continually released without consequences, and how are you going to make British Columbians feel safe in their own communities? Attorney General. Uh, thank you, uh, Honourable Chair. I think uh, the member raises a number of important issues. Uh, first of all, you know, someone who has 22 convictions in a court, obviously there's some pretty serious issues going on with that individual. And 
the court is applying the federal law in deciding in each of those convictions in deciding whether or not to send somebody to jail. And as the provincial attorney general, I can't tell the judge what to do. And the federal law is what the federal criminal code is what the judge is applying. But clearly, mental health and addiction issues are playing an outsized role in the Clearly, mental health and addiction issues are playing an outsized role in relation to prolific offenders, Honourable Speaker. And we think that addressing those issues through uh, proactive uh, mental health services is going to make a significant difference in community. We also know that one of the reasons people feel unsafe is in their downtown areas where foot traffic is way down. Mental health and addiction, people suffering uh, in public, talking to themselves, shouting, uh, shouting at passers-by creates a feeling of a lack of safety. And addressing those mental health issues through complex care is going to make a significant difference. Those same urban mayors that we've been working with on this issue are the mayors who are celebrating the rollout of complex care to provide those base support services for folks to increase community perceptions of safety. And I think it's going to be really important. Members. I know the members are are passionate about this issue, I feel passionate about it too. But I, I don't believe that misrepresenting what the province's authorities are or what's happening in communities in terms of the broader picture uh, is helpful. I agree there's an issue. Let's focus on that. Member for Kootenay East. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And the, the Attorney General can be as dismissive as he wants to be on this issue. It's absolutely, you know, we're, we're, we're hearing from the Attorney General Let's on hear the question, that are please. real, in real time right now. And people on this side of the House are fed up, our communities are fed up. We want action right now. The City of Cranbrook is facing a massive increase in issues of crime and disorder that are hurting our people and our local businesses. I've been to several town halls on this already, and there's more to come. The people are upset, and deservedly so. Assaults are up 13%, vehicle and bike thefts are up 150%, and commercial break-in break and enters are up 280%. My community sincerely feels the Attorney General isn't taking crime seriously. When will the Attorney General actually act to fix this problem and restore Cranbrook's confidence in the justice system? Attorney General. Well, I, I thank the Chair for his question. And I, I tried my best in this question period to be responsive to the questions that members are asking and, and to have a dialogue. And I'll admit some frustration when I can't knock members off their script so that we can actually have that conversation in this moment. But it, I do understand it's, it is question period. So I, I am well aware of the issues in Cranbrook. In fact, I met with the mayor of Cranbrook uh, personally. Uh, and when I read some comments that he made in the media, I reached out to him. And I said, let's meet and talk it through. I met with him. And then I wrote to Cranbrook City Council after that meeting with the mayor. And I said, can I meet with you? Can, can I hear about what's happening in your community? Can we act on those things? I'll acknowledge some surprise that I had to read in the media the concerns about Cranbrook when the member's right there and he could come over any time. But in any event, in, in any event, I am doing the members. work. <laughs> members, 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 members. 
Attorney General. Thank you. I was happy to brief uh, the members of Cranbrook Council about complex care, about our uh, 3,000 uh, supplements to get people inside with wraparound supports to deal with a very serious homeless, homelessness issue that they're facing in Cranbrook, which uh, inextricably uh, with mental health and addiction uh, is, is tied to some of the challenges that community is facing. And I was really um, glad to hear directly from the mayor and council. We had a very productive conversation. And since then, uh, members of the public service, as well as uh, BC Housing staff, have been working with Cranbrook uh, administrative staff to address the issues in that community. And I look forward to, frankly, uh, celebrating some good progress on those issues with Cranbrook City Council as we work through them. Thank you. The balance, the question period, ma'am.